0: All right, are you guys ready? Do, you, do, you get a, do we get a countdown? We no, never you just do a gotta countdown. Get you, just gotta, you just gotta yeah. go.
1: I can give you a countdown if it'll help. Three, two, one,
0: action. Welcome to the 101st episode of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in Central North Carolina with a special focus on the SDG Tour. I just won an Open, and I've had an agreement with my two really good friends, Chris <laughs> Castor-Rappel, the host of MTG Grindcast, and co-host Collins Mullen, that when I win an Open... It's my episode. So welcome, everybody. Episode 101. It's all about Mox Jeremy on Twitter. I'm Jeremy Bertarioni. I just want an open, and say hi to everybody, uh,
1: grindcasters. Hey, we are also here. I don't know how much our presence is, like, really needed
2: for this whole show. (laughs) Yeah. But Jeremy's going to take a lot of it away, so it'll be good.
0: I was so excited. I was like, guys, this one's mine, and I guess you can sit here if you want. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's going to be perfect. You know,
1: in my bedroom studio all of my equipment <laughs> our podcast yeah yeah yep.
0: if you want to you can be here yes how do how do we get started let's get just
1: jump right in i can't wait okay i guess before we get too into stuff congratulations jeremy thanks so much dude good job i'm very proud of you it was crazy it was a crazy weekend uh, honestly before we get like too into stuff i i just want to like just tell me a little bit about what happened. You a little teaser. So you were you a were team with... Yeah,
0: I, this tournament, or this podcast, I'm going to talk a lot about the team chemistry between myself, Dom Harvey, and Don Hobbs. What happened to this tournament, and I've said this on other like pieces of media that I've been making, the reason that we have the trophy from this weekend is because our team had the mesh. It had the mix of trust in one another there was no like ill feelings or ill will we really respected each other and our deck choices and we had the freedom to make those decisions but also a lot of confidence to be like uh you know dom look at this hand what do you think you know you he came up with a line and i look and i'm like oh yeah we're doing that you know and and nobody felt there was no like clawing for position within the team there was no like leader it was a really good chemistry of three magic players i think that Every time we sat down across from one of our opponents, we outclassed them in sheer. We were working together like it was somehow very put together well.
1: That sounds like a really good feeling.
0: It was, it was nice. They say that the highs are the highest in the team tournaments, and I get it after this weekend because literally we would go eat lunch or whatever, and we'd be like, wow, we're really doing this. And we have no idea, but whenever we play a match, it's just like it's like every individual match is three versus one. Yeah. it's how it feels when it was was going right. And I felt a lot of that over this. So when we're going to be talking about, uh, yeah, I just want to say that those guys were great. And all of us aren't going to try to take any credit. We couldn't have done it without each other. But, yeah, that is the story of where the trophy came from.
1: (laughs) Meanwhile, Dom just goes on Twitter and is like, yeah, I mean, I pretty much did this whole thing by myself. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Jeremy was undefeated day one, but, you know, I'm sure that... That didn't have anything to do with it. Yeah, I mean that's a really like dumb thing to do. He's like super like full of himself and. (laughs) No, I mean you and Dom definitely two of my like. You you are one of my favorite people. Dom becoming one of my favorite people, even though I haven't known him for that long. Yeah, I'm getting to know him. I like quite a bit, even though I just you know Mm -hmm. haven't had a lot of interactions with him. But
0: Um, what I have is good. He's generally like a nice guy, a little quiet sort of letting the magic community come to him. but in this like sort of age of people sort of like it's a joke, but it's also real and like clout grabbing. Mm-hmm. John Hobbs is pretty refreshing. He's just trying to play good magic and likes his
1: friends. Awesome. Well, we will get more into the details of the actual magic played and of, stuff like that. Of course. before we get too into it, want to thank our newest patrons. So Chris, Brandon and Simon, thank you so much for joining the patreon. Also thanks a lot to Alex and Eric for upping your pledges. You definitely don't have to do that, but super cool. Anybody who does want to get into the Patreon, uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash mdggrindcast or mdggrindcast.com where we have links to the Patreon. Um, we have revamped our Patreon rewards. Each tier has an actual you know, physical reward that we'll send out to you, which is kind of cool. And I'm working on, I've been not at home for a very long time, so I have not been able to update the Patreon and the website and stuff, but we will get that all updated so you can see exactly what you'll be getting. And then soon, once we have some proofs of the different items, I'll be able to upload pictures of those so you can see what's coming out. So I'm I'm pretty pumped for those. Uh, For our contests, don't want to wait too long. We gave away a couple of Modern Horizons boxes. I hope I won. Jeremy, I'm sorry to tell you, you did not win a Modern Horizons box. Uh, pretty brutal, but hopefully you can go cry into your trophy yeah. and just sort of <laughs> fill it up with your your lack of Modern Horizons tears. Don't know what I would do with a Modern Horizons box anyway, so but maybe give it away on Twitter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah,
1: I mean, I just got my, my foil sheet, um, kind of like trying to decide whether to give it away on Twitter or use it as the background here. I don't know. Uh, Both pretty reasonable options. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so our, for our contest winners, for our clout buying retweet contest, <laughs> thanks to everybody who retweeted us, desperately grabbing retweets and trying to win that box of Modern Horizons. Totally. Yep. You may be able to tell I'm not totally comfortable with this, <laughs> but we did it anyways. I thought it was great. Yeah. It worked. I mean, it worked. Like, it was way more popular than any of my tweets of content or humor, so. Well, yeah. you know,
2: that's, that's what happens when you sell out, Chris. Yep. Uh, I,
1: <laughs> boy, have I sold out.
2: I
0: think it's fine, but one day we'll be big enough that we're not doing this anymore. And I oh, can't yeah. wait for that.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah, That will be really exciting. <laughs> exactly. But so for that contest, at Jeremy underscore Langevin, I'm definitely saying that wrong. Uh, but I have DM'd you or will DM you or something. I will DM you, and uh, you'll get your Modern Horizons box. So thank you so much. For our contest that we announced the rules of on the podcast last episode, we asked you to DM us your first competitive deck that you ever played. And got a bunch of entries to that. People from, like, kind of all eras of Magic are listening, and that's really cool to see. Nice. Um, A lot of people, you know, are... It's hard for me to not see them as, like... Magic children, given how long I've been yeah, playing magic cards, like people starting in Theros block, and I'm like, oh my goodness. Well, that's me. Chris. I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's wild. Yeah. Baby. Yeah. Uh, but the winner of that contest is at Opiate Muffin. So I believe I have already DM'd. If I have not, I will. So congratulations to our winners, and we will get those Modern Horizons boxes shipped out as quickly as possible. Nice. So you won this tournament with... Mardu Death Shadow. Mardu Death Shadow. So this
0: deck began in our house, which I'm very proud of. Obviously, people that are regular listeners or anybody that listens to my content, I can't stop talking about this house. I feel like it's working. I feel like we're going to be really big. So I'm not going to spend too long in this podcast talking about it. Other than that, if you don't know now, you know. But we're in the house. Lotus Box, probably you and me, are, are in a room. And we're sort of theory crafting the Hogak modern metagame and so we're theorycrafting hogak we realize that phoenix is going to be good because it has a pretty good hogak matchup yeah hogak's really strong and something that is continually doing well and it's kind of surprising to a lot is the jun decks all the black mid-range thoughts these decks are good yes so we sort of kind of theorycraft it in with some of the new modern horizons card and we get really drawn towards ranger captain eos and silent clearing uh, mixed with Thought season and Inquisition. And once you do that, the best one drop for Ranger to get is Death Shadow. So it becomes pretty easy to build this black-white Death Shadow deck. And pretty much as soon as we had four silent clearings and four Death Shadows, um, and the Thought season and the Inquisition, I sort of like looked at Zan and I was like I'm playing this. <laughs> and I'm just like <laughs> Kinda no matter what. Yeah, we're, it's we're gonna it, run it. it seemed so good. And I, you know, obviously if, if the deck couldn't ever win a match, I wouldn't have played it, but we're going to get to the testing, and it was phenomenal. So we kind of realized over the course of like a day or two that a third color is free. It becomes about what you want to play. The Arcanists um, were really good um, in a Mardu Pyromancer shell. And since we have the Inquisitions and the Thought Seasons to flash back with the Arcanists, as well as all of our, like, the best removal spells in the format, right? Mm-hmm. Path to Exile, Fatal Push. The Ar- You know, kind of gave Red the nod, which lets us play Faithless Looting. And all of these Death Shadow decks were playing Unearths, and we kind of kept playing the Unearths just because they were so good with Ranger, but some of those unearth synergies were way better than we expected them to be. Mm.
1: Yeah, Right, because it it gives a huge other angle to your Arcanist attack when it threatens to put another threat into play rather yes. than another responsive spell.
0: Absolutely, and Ranger Captain's interesting because um, I sort of have this, like, people call it a headcanon, where you're like... All right, Ranger Captain, do your thing. And he just, like, really grotesquely, like, kills himself. And that causes your opponent <laughs> to be so stunned that they can't, like, cast spells for a turn. Right.
1: I and, can't believe that guy just, like, pulled out. His yeah, yeah, he
0: just, like, just like <laughs> dies really gross. And everyone's like, I am not going to cast this spell. You know, I have to take a minute. <laughs> um, and so since the Ranger can kind of change zones, if you unearth your Ranger and you have the Arcanist... You know, they're probably not going to cast a a spell that can, like, kill it, right, if they can't cast a sweeper, so you get to just do it again for free, and each one brings a Death Shadow. So, you know, you could see in my camera match against Max McVitie, there were four turns in a row where he just couldn't cast Sorcery Speed spells, Mm -hmm. and I was pretty sure I was dead to Distortion Strike, which is why that ended up happening, but it was four turns in a row where he couldn't cast spells, and every single one of those turns put a Death Shadow into play also. So the end of the game was, I finally had four Death Shadows and made the clean attack, and he was like, yep, I... If I could have cast a spell, you would have been way dead.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, and that's what that's just what Ranger Captain does. Like, we've lost games to that where it's just, like, you have to cast some spells on your main phase, and you just go the rest of the game without being able to do it, because whether it's Snapcaster or Dreadhorde Arcanist, like, building these decks such that you can keep unearthing your Ranger Captains is just such a powerful synergy. Mm-hmm. Obviously, then we tested the deck all week, and
0: leagues are kind of were kind of soft that week, I think. People were, like, either picking up Hogak, which we completely mopped the floor with. I was easily undefeated against Hogak in the tournament. Or we played against Phoenix, and the Phoenix matchup was really good if the card Aria of Flames doesn't get involved. So, like, Thought Seizing it. But, well, okay, but we're playing Thought Seizing Inquisition, so right. it's easy to make right, sure that right, that right.
1: Right. happens. Well, um, it's easy to help, try to stop it from happening. It's easy to try, it's try to, to stop it from happening. You, you,
0: have, you have good game to not let right. it get involved. And you're ending the game like on turns four or five in the ideal scenario. Yeah. So it is a 20 cantrip deck, but on the last turn, they pretty much have to rip it because they don't have enough mana to cantrip and then cast it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, give and take. And you know, if they scry at to the top, you just path their creature. So there was a play that I made where I cast a Mistress Bauble. I looked at the top card of my opponent's deck. It was Aria Flame, and I just pathed this thing in the ice right there because I knew that he had a metamorphose in his hand, and since I had seen it, if I wait to the upkeep, I'm like, path your creature. He'd be like, okay, if I, he wanted me to have the card, he would have waited until draw step. So I kind of like got in my own head, and I was like, it's likely that he wouldn't cast the metamorphose in his upkeep if I'd pathed it in his upkeep, but I'm just going to do it now, and I don't think I can lose, or unless he just rips the Aria again, but I'm shuffling it away.
1: But keep in mind that You know, like if you're on the thing in the ice side of that, you do not have to search for path to exile. Yeah. So, but you know, that's where the game comes into play, Chris. I had to get in his head. Right, right, right. Oh, and I've, I've definitely gotten got by that. I, I don't remember who I was playing against. Oh, when I was playing against Edgar in the envy, he pathed one of my things in the ice. I had two cards that I wanted on top of my library because they would let me flip my second thing in the ice. Yeah. So I didn't search. And then he pat my second thing in the ice, and I just had to, like, sigh and go, okay, you got me. And mm-hmm. I searched out a land because I didn't want those spells anymore that badly. But, yeah, so that that's a sweet, like, complicated decision-making process. The deck really rewards you if you're willing to think about those things.
0: Obviously, you have sort of Collins' favorite element of the deck, right? You have the Fetchlands Bobble Street Wraith. So your turn ones can be
2: advanced.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You can do a lot
2: of tricky stuff. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of
0: fun and it is and there's an the reason this deck is so popular is because there are some sevens where you're like, "Oh yeah." And you know, you get to do so much library manipulation in the first without spending any mana. Mm-hmm. You know, and then cast the thoughtseize. I often felt like I I cast three or four spells in my first turn and when really all I did was just cast thoughtseize but I like you know, cantripped and, you know, cycled the Street Wraith and fetched the card out, but all in an order that was beneficial to me. Mm-hmm. So those are so many decisions, but you have to be careful with decks like this because that does lead to a human bias. So it's really common for people to really like control decks because when you're playing a control deck and you're winning, mm-hmm. it takes like... And a lot of people know this, so I'm just explaining this really briefly. It takes like 50 minutes to win a match with a control deck. So you're like, wow, I just spent the last hour winning. But it only takes, like, five minutes to lose against, like, Burn. So once you lost, you're like, oh, that sucked. But then you get to, like, hang out with your friends. So if you're winning with Control, you're like, I just spent this whole day winning. This deck is amazing. Whereas if you're winning with Burn, you're like, yeah, every couple of minutes I win. And that's, like, fine. <laughs> it, like, it spaces it out. So people really do have a bias towards these interactive decks in Magic the Gathering because they get to spend more time winning and they spend less time losing because when you're playing burn, it takes forever to lose because you really could just draw the, the card so it takes them forever. Yeah. So that bias is like there with the deck. Well, And you know? people
1: are also really into the idea that the more decisions they make, everybody thinks they're a great magic player. So mm-hmm. everybody wants to make a lot of decisions whether or not that's actually helping them <laughs> right. win matches.
0: See, I felt robbed because when this deck didn't have blue in it, I assumed that like maybe it would be a little easier but it was really hard. Yeah, it was just really hard all day. (laughs) It was pretty stressful. (laughs) At Mana Curves on Twitter texted me, and she was like, your life total is always stressing me out, because I was just like, you know, it's death shadow, right? So you're like, oh, I have to be at five. (laughs) You know, I I hope I don't just die this turn, like from him just having ripped two bolts in the last two turns. So there's an element also, if you enjoy thinking this is the deck for you, I mostly enjoy... Winning and hanging out with my friends, so I, you know, great. But I'm also, you know, it's hard to come to terms with this, but I guess I'm just the thought guy. I like writing it all down, looking at my hand, making a plan to win the
1: game, taking one of their cards and hoping it works. I really just enjoy that a lot. Fair. Reasonable. Also, so, shouts to that, to your uh, mana curves clout, <laughs> dropping that. Nice. Amirus <laughs> <Aaron> texted me, <laughs> you know, just yeah.
0: I got the clout. I teamed with Dom. That's like a clout yeah, grab. Too. Okay, that's so I, solid. yeah, let's talk about, or we're we gonna talk about the team comp right now. Or do you want to go? Into, what we, do you want to do next?
1: So, so you just mentioned like there's all this stuff that you do on turn one, but how about turn zero? Why don't we talk about a keeper mole real quick? Because that, that's awesome. That's the thing we do on this show. So yeah, let's let's get back to our roots. So this one actually came from Zan, who also played the deck, and you know. Deck was developed in-house. Xan had a huge hand in it. Uh, Dylan Donigan worked on it as well. Um, I know both of you guys were playing it. I kind of sat off to the side and watched it a little bit and was hoping that Collins would say, you should probably just play Phoenix this tournament. <laughs> and it <which Yeah>. happened. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. <clears throat> so this is On the Draw versus Phoenix. Uh-oh. We have two Thoughtseizes, a Death Shadow, an Unearth, a Ranger Captain, and a Street Wraith. Oh, Right, so when when he was telling me this hand, that's exactly how I responded. It starts out, and you're like, this is a great hand. Well. Uh, but zero lands. So what are we thinking? We're on the draw. Got a street race. It's a seven? It's a six.
2: It's a six. It's a six. We get Ooh. to scry. To because discard... it's
0: a six, I know what the answer is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This, Chris, and I think that anybody who's played a lot of Death Shadow, or anybody who's like really doing well with the deck is going to tell you, this is a keep. hmm and I hate that.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: But I would look at my teammates and go, mm-hmm. we're going to keep this hand.
2: Sorry, I'm sorry, guys. guys. <laughs> and you could even brick for a turn and still win. It, You know. Yeah. You get three looks, but, you know, if it's the fourth card, sure. Ugh.
0: You get three looks, and if we don't get there, then we scoop to conceal information. What game is this? Game two?
1: This is game two. They know what we're playing.
0: Dang it. Yeah, you get four looks, and then you can scoop. Yeah. Um, we, yeah. You definitely win game one, though, so you get another game. Yeah, this is definitely a keep. You have so much interaction, right? You have the Street Wraith to, to get another look deep. And then once you hit the land, one of the most important cards in the matchup is Thoughtseize. they are a 20 cantrip deck, but like if you can take the threats out of their opening hand, they're going to spend the first few turns trying to get to a spot where they're ahead. Mm-hmm. And you can use that to an advantage. You have the Death Shadow how many ranger captains were there? Is just one. There's one in the hand. ranger captain is really terrible in this hand because we really need three lands to cast it. Yes, we have the unearth, but like we would need to hit a faithless looting to, get to like really like slam a jamma with that thing on two, Which there is a synergy, right? Faithless looting, Unearthed, ranger captain. <laughs> Turn two, ranger captain is not a joke. Feels good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Especially if dreadhorde Arcanist is like about to get involved because then you're just like.
1: You're not yeah. you starting on like turn two.
0: Silencing started on turn two, and you probably yeah. have like two, four, five
1: to just silence. Yeah. Yeah. Solid. And that's a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean I I think that I agree this is definitely a keep. Going down to five in a Thoughtseize deck mm-hmm. is like pretty painful. Like we do have a solid card advantage engine, but that card advantage engine requires three lands in play to start going, which right. is tough on five in your nineteen land deck. You know, you sometimes gotta just take the gamble if we hit one land then we start casting a powerful spell every turn as mm-hmm. long as it's i mean if it's a fetch land we still can't cast this death shadow for a while because y- even if it is a fetch land because we get three plus two plus two so we're at 13 at the end of this if we don't take damage but... we're
0: hoping to scry land to the top draw it and then
1: like i guess we have the street right so that puts us to try 11. to get two lands. Yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 so but yeah i mean so this death shadow could come out pretty early and you know, that's what you want.
0: And talk about high upside hands.
1: I think if you do hit your two lands in the first two, this is just, like, crazy, but I think that
0: you're, uh, like, a lock to win the game, almost. You get to cast Thoughtseize into Thoughtseize's Shadow. Beep, beep, you know? Right, <laughs> so they have, to, they have to top-deck the Aria. Yeah, which is, you know, pretty good spot. It's a three-up. You already took one of them, right? You know, if we're in, like, crazy, you know. Right, but this right. happens. This happens quite frequently throughout the tournament that, like, Things are lining up for you because you plan them out with your thoughts, and when you put them in an unlikely spot, they don't always hit it. It feels like they always hit it because when they hit it, it's really like a big deal to you, but they
1: don't always hit it. Right. So let's talk about the deck in so far as like what, what was the deck selection process here? You know, level zero of this format is definitely like Hogak is taking over Modern. It's by far the most important thing. And I think it's pretty clear that that's how things played out in the tournament. Whatever Hogak's win rate was, it certainly had the biggest influence on the format. What goes into deciding not to play that tier 0 deck?
2: We knew that... I mean, yeah, I think that that difference uh, was pretty important to us. The difference between Hogak having a good win percentage at the tournament Mm -hmm. and Hogak having a big impact in the tournament. Yeah, It's guaranteed to have a big impact on the tournament. But you're not guaranteed to have a good win percentage with the deck. Mm -hmm. Because... The, uh everybody was coming with six to nine really, really impactful hate pieces for it. And if you're playing against a bunch of those decks, you're just not going to be favored against the field. Yeah. So uh, everybody was making the sacrifices necessary to beat Hogak. So it wasn't necessarily the best choice for the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody talking about how, like, oh, if you're not playing this deck, it's just such a mistake. I, I don't think that was right. So we were definitely looking for other angles to... To approach the tournament with, and I think that's kind of what kicked off us exploring enough to find this mm-hmm. Mardu deck.
1: What makes the Mardu deck? You know, I know like one of the big things about it is that it can win game ones against Hogak. Mm-hmm. So what
2: what yeah. what is giving it like that particular ability? The five main deck hate <laughs> pieces, <Okay>. likely. <laughs> yeah. So fair. Interesting things about the Hogak deck,
0: and I did this in the tournament. If you cast a turn one Death Shadow, that is not it's a zero or less it's going to exile all the bridges Mm -hmm. so you have more hate pieces than you think against the deck Mm -hmm. ranger can also just exile all the bridges at any time right another interesting thing about the death shadow deck is is that you can play a pretty fair game against eight eight trample avatar because if you take a hit from that your avatar is bigger your Death shadows are just like nine nines. Looking at Hogak like, hey little dude, like what's up? <laughs> yeah, I cost the whole mana, so I of course I'm going to be stronger than you.
1: Uh, yeah, because yeah, Hogak only costs zero, right? doesn't. Yeah, so
0: right. no you man. can't even spend mana on it. You can't even <laughs> cast it. Is what it should just say. It should just say you can't cast it. Yeah. Um. Healthier so. Format. Yeah. In terms of deck selection, it might say that
2: on Monday. You know, the house was <laughs> in a
0: pretty dynamic spot. I would say Collins Mullen. It was definitely like. It's Hogak, it's obvious. And we were all like, yep, that makes sense. But it's true that when everybody's saying you have to play this deck or it's a mistake, there's going to be mirror tech. You become tuned towards, which is a concept in modern that I think is really important. There was a point in the metagame where humans was tuned towards. Mm -hmm. Everybody had, they didn't have four bolts. They had bolt, a braid, you know, this, this, this. And your meddling mages were nothing. It didn't matter because even right now in the blue-white control deck they're playing, a Supreme Verdict, A Wrath of God, A Settle the Wreckage, you know, because they don't want Meddling mages to mess them up. Mm-hmm. So when a deck becomes tuned towards in Modern because the Modern card pool is so big, it just, in my opinion, to be honest, becomes an incorrect choice. If you're not prepared, like, really through deep testing to slog through
1: your deck hate.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I agree. That was definitely what basically all of us were thinking going into the tournament. Like... Collins and I teamed together, and we chose Phoenix for this tournament, which ended up being a really popular choice, Mm -hmm. actually was the most popular deck in day two of SCG Pittsburgh. Not quite the most popular deck at uh, GP Dallas, which was individual modern GP happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. But we definitely got Phoenix to a point with our Yixlid Jailers (laughs) in the sideboard of our graveyard deck. (laughs) Yep. Uh, But we got it to a point where we were very comfortable playing against Hogak, and we... Felt like okay, everybody else that cares about this tournament is only going to come with a deck that they feel has a similar matchup against Hogak, or they play Hogak, and then you at best have a 50%. You know, maybe you have great sideboard mirror technology and you bumped it up to 53% or something like that, right? Or you're Dom and just crushing everybody. Yeah,
0: Dom just had a Dom just sees lines that nobody else sees. I really do believe that that's true, and so He's he had good. a good time point, yeah, yeah. I got to learn over the course of this tournament like, oh man, Dom sees lines that nobody else sees.
1: Nice. Uh, I believe that.
2: Yeah. That's it's, not surprising. Yeah.
0: John, John and I have a story that it'll just it's just blew our minds. Dom, okay, I'm just going to tell it. This is the place to tell stories like that. Great. We are playing against a mono-red prison deck. Mm-hmm. And they have an ensnaring bridge in play. And we have two meddling mages. One is on Goblin Engineer, and the other one, I think, is on Engineered Explosives. Mm-hmm. Because they have One thing. so they've been using Engineered Explosives we knew it was a thing. Okay. And the bridge player was stuck with one card in their hand. So we can assume that it's a meddling mage card. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they would have cast it, I think, no matter what it is.
1: Because you have one power, guys.
0: So they have a bridge, one card in their hand, and our noble hierarchy is attacking every turn, but it's getting blanked by their inventor's fair. Okay. So, so we draw, and we have a Resto in our hand. Mm-hmm. So we draw a Phantasmal Image. What do you guys think the line is just off the just off the bat?
1: It's very right. difficult for me to like parse this board state and make a play <laughs> based on that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. you were paying Same. attention, right? I, all right, I'm all right. Much, like
1: my my level zero play here is copy the noble hierarchy. Yeah,
0: that's what me and John thought. We were yep. like, if we copy the noble heart, we can start making inlays on the board because we'll start actually getting in for damage. instead What's of getting the totals? They were pretty high. They were in the low teens. And we're, we're at, like, 20 or maybe 19 or whatever because our waterlogged grove, like, our pain lands. And what are all the creatures on the board on our side? We have a Thalia, two meddling mages, a bugler, and Noble Hierarch.
1: Yeah. Okay. I don't think Noble Hierarch is going to get there then.
0: Right. So our plan initially was... Oh, and we have a violin too. Our plan initially was make a Noble Hierarch, start making in on the board. And we, like, come to the consensus that that's probably what we're going to end up doing. And Dom comes in, and he goes, hold on a second. What if we make a meddling mage, Mm -hmm. we double up on a card that we've already named, and then when they crack the inventor's fair, we Restoration Angel our meddling mage that we've doubled up, Mm on, and we name the card they tutor for. And then next turn, they're going to have two cards stuck in their hand, and we're going to be able to attack with all of our two power creatures. Mm. Me and John were just like... Okay, we'll do that. <laughs> yeah, like, like, that
1: does sound way better than getting in for way, one damage. Yeah.
0: We won in like a turn after that. It was insane. Like so, the, And Dom
1: doesn't even play humans.
0: I know. We were like, should you have been on humans? That was crazy that they just thought of that. So then, obviously, the, the opponent, she cracks the inventor's fair and gets a Crucible of Worlds. And we're like, all right, still in your instep, Restoration Angel or made Mage, and now it's Goblin Engineer, Engineer Explosive, and Crucible Worlds that you can't cast. She, like, draws a land, plays it, and it's just like, go! And we're just like, crunch with all of our two power guys, <laughs> like, yeah, we went, and that was our, we thought that was a win in for top eight. We ended up getting paired down, we had to play again. It was fine though. I didn't keep track of any of that stuff. I don't I don't do records at tournaments. Right. So. You definitely
1: didn't come rushing over to me to tell me that you were locked for top eight the round before. That's because to Dom play. told me. Uh-huh. Ruined everything.
0: <laughs> well he ended up being wrong, so it was actually pretty detrimental that I did know all that stuff. Yep. I had a whole like sort of emotional journey that I would not have had I've been more focused on the match. Well, magic. it
1: is good to know that insofar as whether or not you can draw in and stuff, like that is important to know. Even you have to admit this. Intentionally draw? Intentionally draw. Oh, we don't... Oh,
0: ad- we yeah. d- oh never. We don't admit to crime, Sarah. Listen, I love crime. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Uh, All right, so excellent. that was the story of when we were like, okay, Dom's got a bigger... Dom sees lines that nobody else sees. He's a smart guy. So he has an edge in the Hogak mirror because he'll think of something that they won't. hmm And I really just, yeah.
1: Yeah. No. Cool.
0: So, so that was the selection process for Mardu, in so much as what led me to. And then, of course, you know, I'm not going to play Hogak because I think it's tuned towards and I don't like playing tuned towards decks. Mm-hmm. Phoenix isn't really my jam, it just never really has been. Mm-hmm. It's blue red. It has to cast a bunch of cantrips, and I get bored doing that. I don't want to do that. But you get to see all these new cards. It's great. I, I like to see a lot of cards on turn one. I like to see every single card that they have on turn one. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, seeing a lot of cards. You can't do that without a good Prove. Oof. Yeah, exactly. Terrible. So, you know, basically I saw the Death Shadows and I was like, I was in, I was doing great with Death Shadow. So that was, you know, where, how I came to Marty.
1: Gotcha. Well, so, and the thing I was going to say is like, yes, our feeling was definitely like, I don't know how much Hogak we should play in this event because people are ready to beat it or you're playing a lot of mirrors and none of those results are particularly great. And it played out a lot like that. Every player who was there to win had an insane amount of graveyard hate in their deck. Everybody felt like they were favored against Hogak. And I don't think that most of the people that I talked to were particularly wrong, because almost everybody that I talked to was on Phoenix tuned towards Hogak, or Mm -hmm. they were on Black Disruptive decks tuned towards beating Hogak. But with that said, Hogak, still the second highest played deck in day two of this team tournament that was incredibly hostile towards it. In the GP in Dallas, it was 11% of the day one meta, 18% of the day two meta, and still managed to put two decks into the top eight. And if you look at these deck lists, people were ready for Hogak, and it still just beat people up. I mean, that day one conversion rate makes sense because you're going to beat up on the people that c- came to the GP and, you know, maybe weren't keeping up and didn't have quite as much hate as they needed, but sure. the deck is still beating people who are very aware of its existence. Yeah, And... That's that's how this deck works,
2: and I don't know how much of that is because they it overall had a f- decent win percentage, or how much of that was due to the fact that so many people played it, mm-hmm. and somebody's gonna spike with it, right? You know, right. if you know, if like thirty percent of the field is Hogak, they're just gonna be one in the top eight. It doesn't mm-hmm. really matter if it only has like a forty-five percent win rate or whatever. Yeah, so
1: yeah, and I mean, also just because a deck is beatable certainly
2: doesn't mean that. It's okay in modern. Oh, it's certainly not okay. I'd, the lengths at which everybody needs to go to to beat it is, is too extraordinary.
1: We just moved away from having surgicals in our Phoenix decks. Well. it's like so sad that we have to play yeah. them again.
2: Yeah, everybody
0: got them back out.
1: It's, it's brutal. I I loved having gut shots or just like a lot of lava darts. Like that's great. <laughs> yeah, not not so. Um. So yeah, I mean, this definitely felt to me like a very ruined format.
2: It wasn't great. Yeah, I was pretty happy when we were <laughs> able to step away from it, you know. <laughs> just like, oh, okay, don't need to worry about this anymore.
1: Yeah. Uh, for those who were curious, our team tournament did not go quite as well as yep. Jeremy's. Collins played Phoenix, yep. I played Phoenix. I think our list was pretty good.
2: I agree. I was pretty happy with the deck selection process that we came to. Yeah. You know, I came pretty close to playing this Mardu deck, and it was like a, kind of a coin toss at the end mm-hmm. between... Playing the Mardu deck and playing Phoenix, I think that based on the, you know, the breakdown of the tournament, I think that Phoenix was a pretty good choice for sure.
1: Yeah, I think it did pretty well. I don't think you would have won many more matches (laughs) playing Death Shadow because you lost to Chalice of the Void a lot. I
2: sure did. So,
1: (laughs) you know, I don't think even with hindsight, we could have done too much better. Sure. We did have to do insane things to our deck list, which involved putting Ixla Jailer in the sideboard. Yep. Which actually, like, works out better than you might think. Shaking your head. Your phoenixes can't come back,
0: Chris. It's a <laughs> okay,
1: <laughs> Jeremy, this is the thing I'm about to explain. <laughs> Let me yeah. explain. So, uh, yes, your phoenixes can't come back. But the important threat in the Hogak matchup is Thing in the Ice. And... Um, Actually, what I saw later on, uh, like uh, on Sunday, Zan played against uh, Keith Capstick, and he was de-sideboarding and showing what he was doing. And he and his group had determined that the best way for Hogek to sideboard against Phoenix is just bring in a bunch of removal spells. So he had like double Fatal Push, double Lightning Axe, and brought in the two Assassin's Trophies because those help solve Thing in the Ice, which is a big problem. And then if there's a permanent-based Graveyard Hate card, then Yixir Jailer is it. But most people on Phoenix were on ravenous traps out of their sideboard, and we were just not really happy with... Sometimes it's good against Hogak, but it's not good against all of their stuff.
2: And they can just plow through it a lot of the time. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like, you get trapped once, and then you just kind of keep going.
2: Yeah. Trap does close to nothing against an altar, it feels like.
1: Yeah. Definitely not great against altar. Mostly disrupts, like, the here's some power from my graveyard draws. And so what Yixla Jailer lets you do is lets you not worry about their graveyard stuff, lets you just worry about like them putting stuff on the board, and then when it's time to Phoenix, you can bounce it with a thing in the ice, or, you know, we had one turn where I played Yixel Jailer on turn two and passed the turn. My opponent missed their second land drop. I knew I had a Phoenix on top of my library, so I thought scoured myself on upkeep and then revealed a secret <laughs> second Phoenix and then had to, like, think really hard <laughs> and then lean over to Collins and then kind of be like, I need your permission to lava dart my Yixla Jailer here so I can kill my opponent. <laughs>
2: Do it! Yeah. And, you know, the everything lined up for that to be the right play. Our opponent missed a land drop, so they were already on a clunker. They weren't doing anything. Yeah. Um, so we just wanted to kill them in three turns. Yeah.
1: yeah. And, well, it was, I think it was with the burn spells we had access to, it was, like, very likely to be two turns. short sure. Was the, like, real yeah. key there. Yeah. Um, If our opponent had made their second land drop, though, and had, like, done stuff on their second turn. I, like, I don't think that that's, that would be right. I think, yeah. like, you got to keep the Jailer in play. Because a good Hogak
2: just... draw can certainly beat a Double Phoenix draw. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. Especially if they just alter you, then you're just going to die. Yeah. So, yeah, really looking forward to Monday. And don't know what's going to happen. I'm a little afraid that they're going to, like, look at these results and be like, well, it's not really that much more dominant than, like, Phoenix was.
2: I, I do hope that they look at the lengths everybody is going to beat them as well as its actual win percentages.
1: And to me, that's the way that it's ruining the format right now. Yeah. Is, you know, I played against... uh, When you play against an artifact deck... And you want to bring in some artifact removal, but, you know, in my sideboard I had one abrade that we right. almost didn't have in the sideboard. Yeah. That's not enough if yep. they're going to bridge me or chalice me or something. And,
2: right, that was certainly my problem against chalice. Is mm-hmm. I got chalice game one, I was like, all right, well, I hope I draw my one of a braid if they chalice me. <laughs> yeah. It's just...
1: Because yeah. I've got all these yixlid jails <laughs> in my sideboard, right. even though I already have three Surgicals in my main deck. Yeah. It's, it's a problem.
0: Yep. If they have a Chalice on
1: one, your 2-mana two 2-1 two beater is a way to win the game. That's true, <laughs> but they tend to have... Okay, so let's talk about Eldrazi Tron for a minute. Okay. Whoa. To me, stop me if I'm wrong, but I'm right. Okay. Uh, Eldrazi Tron is 56 cards and 4 Chalice of the Void. Uh-huh. And the 56 cards are really bad. Like, if you don't Chalice your opponent, or if Chalice isn't good against your opponent... I feel like you're like thirty five percent to win a game of Magic, or worse. Like Thought Not Seer and Reality Smasher and Co. and Mattery Shaper just don't match up against the stuff that people are doing in Modern. Even get, putting Hogak to the side. Yeah. And I saw like a lot of Eldrazi Tron this weekend.
2: Well, I mean, they have four ley lines in the sideboard and four chalices in the main deck, and that can be some Hogak. Yeah. Yeah. So.
0: There are two meaningful draws with Eldrazi, like the Eldrazi deck. You have turn one, Chalice or
1: one. Yeah? Or, or turn, turn two, Chalice or
0: one. Sometimes turn two, but hopefully turn one, right? Those are your really good draws with the deck. And then your other tier of draw is turn two, Chal- Thought Not Seer, turn three, Thought Not Seer, or Reality Smasher. Mm-hmm. Those are the draws that matter. So that's not enough, right, for a deck. You need more than, than those specific windows of cards to, to matter, to be good and modern. So I don't love the deck. I probably wouldn't play it. But I'm like pretty much never going to play Urza's Tower, Urza's Power Plant, or Urza's Mine in a tournament ever. So even
1: if you get a Charging Monster saw in your deck, even if you get to play Charging Monster
0: saw, if I played, if I played Tron, I would put Morphon in there and name Sliver, and then cast the first Sliver, and then cascade in the Flying Haste one and shove with all those. Yeah, that happened to Drake Sasser on week one of this of Modern Horizons. <laughs> nice,
1: and I don't. That's that's a cool thing to do. <laughs> yeah, that is. I don't think you get to do that in a Hogak meta game though. Or, you know, any other modern meta game. Yeah, but you yeah. definitely don't get to do that in a Hogak meta game.
2: Yeah. Well, it depends on what you want. If you want to win, what do you, yeah, probably not. That's fair. If you want to you, you know, cast some changelings then you know, <laughs> yeah. That's that's the deck for you.
0: <laughs> if you, you want to cast changelings, then boy, if I got some news for you about commander
1: About five color <laughs> yeah. tron slivers
0: yeah well that too but mostly you
1: should stick with the four player pods that's probably for the best you'll have a lot more fun right? oh yeah I,
0: I mean you know and have a blast too i don't really know what goes on in those but people seem to really like them so have a ball
1: cool yeah i'm never gonna try to take away from anybody's fun no of course not
0: I'm, I'm being i'm pretty pretty sincere people yeah, seem yeah. to really like those i don't really get it but, but i hope they're
1: having a lot of fun i'm I'm confident that they are. The, <laughs> yeah, like, of course. Like, at the Envy, the, like, special commander section that was roped off, and I couldn't go, we couldn't go in to try even, to, like... We, we couldn't even see what it was about. Yeah. No, like, we were trying to, like, grab Parnell to come cube with us, and, like, we couldn't go talk to him, because we weren't allowed in the special commander section. But it was full the entire weekend. Of course. Yeah, I mean, people love commander. Yeah. So, some of the other decks that did show up... I don't know. We probably don't want to talk about, like, this particular metagame... No.
0: ...too much. I'm really hoping for some changes on Monday, and I also, you know... Pretty rightfully, I think, expecting some changes on Monday, whatever they are, uh, is fun to speculate about, but, you know, the implications of them will be
1: much more fun to talk about because we'll have a lot more concrete evidence, so, I, I you know. And not only are we hopefully getting a ban, but we're also getting a new set and a new mulligan rule. so it's really hard for me to figure out what's going to happen after this, even if we did know what cards were going to get banned. Even if we knew that Hogek was going to become completely unplayable, like, the... New set, maybe kind of modern, maybe kind of minor. Uh, new Mulligan roll in addition to all of that, though. It's gonna tough. A, It's
2: gonna be a whole new format. Yeah, it'll be great.
1: Yeah, kind of exciting.
2: Yeah, I am. I am very excited for post Monday modern. I know we don't have any tournaments coming up for that in a minute, but mm-hmm. I think it'll be fun. Yeah,
1: definitely. Right, hopefully, because there's a lot of cool Modern Horizons cards that we haven't really gotten to explore, given the shadow of Hogak looming over the format. Mm-hmm. Please, Ice Fang yeah. I just want to cast Ice Ven Any modern format where Ice Ven Quattle is playable is gonna be a modern format that is worth putting some time into. And oh, yeah. I I I believe. Just to like mention a little bit about the like format as it played out, um, I was pretty impressed with Burn in this format. Burn honestly. was really
2: well positioned. It beat up on Hogak yep. and Phoenix. If you don't two best techs.
1: If you don't have a citrus supplier, you just lose to Burn. You never get to block their creatures. They're like all the creatures turn into like Boros Charm Pluses. You're like,
0: Goblin guy against a whole guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like
1: three hits. Get in. Like, you know, sometimes you do have a bonkers draw, but they do have graveyard hate. Like if they have a Tormod's crypt that's usually enough to slow you down enough that they just can finish burning you out. Yeah. Um and, yeah, so, I mean, I don't think that it's not, like, it's not a completely insane matchup, but it is pretty heavily in favor of Burn, and I did not want to play against it. And I played against Whetstone in the Classic, and, you know, I had one game where I I comboed on turn three, and the other games I just died to Goblin Guides and Boros Borostroms. Yep. So. Good for him. And, Collins, how much of the uh, New
0: Horizon land are they playing? The cracks for cards? Oh, I'm sure oh, yeah. four. Card's yeah, great. I mean, I don't know. I, just, I was wondering if you knew, but, yeah, I mean, that, against the rest of the field, we don't even know how good burn is, right? Like, yeah. it, I would need to be testing it a lot because there's a chance that it just leveled up three times where every other deck just leveled up once. So even if burn was one level behind, it's ahead now. Mm-hmm. I mean, just I mean, I've I played burn for years. Jeremy, how how much would you pay to draw another card this turn? Would you play a pain land in your deck for the ability to, on this turn, draw another card when they're at one? And, you know, it's
2: like, yes! I I would have played (laughs) it if it shocked me. You know what I mean? I would have played anything. Yeah. So. Yeah, four sunbaked canyons. Yeah, I mean.
1: Oh, and speaking of those pain lands. That I mean, you you mentioned the black white pain land in death shadow, but boy, that really does help you control your life total when you've got death shadows going on.
0: So something interesting about the deck was in testing we learned that if you're not trying to turbo out a death shadow on two, you have like an indeterminate amount. You want to lead on the silent clearing because mm-hmm. the fetch lands always represent three damage. But like there were there was a turn on camera and the commentators missed this, which I which I hated. But but I I was against Aaron Barrett. <laughs> and always I was gonna miss it. Yeah I know. Yeah. And I went silent clearing go. And they were like, you know, uh, yeah, they took their turn and I was like, all right, you're in step, I'm at 19. And I like tapped it so that the camera caught it and then I untapped it and I drew a card and I went back and watched and and no, they weren't talking about that, but... Come on! How cool is that? At the
1: end of your turn, I'm gonna ping myself. Right, especially against Infect, where all the damage you take, you have to do to yourself. Mm-hmm. And it also doesn't leave you vulnerable to anything except for Noble hierarchy shenanigans. It, like, it's beautiful. It's
0: amazing. You know, uh, the land did six damage to me. That's so good. That's so
1: good. I guess. <laughs> I love that that's good. Yeah, definitely. Um, if Hogak is gone after Monday... What is the future of Mardu Death Shadow? Mardu Death Shadow
0: is a, uh, an example of a deck that is tailor made for a very narrow metagame. Mm-hmm. And you almost never get to play these decks in modern because modern is typically defined by having like 30 decks you can play. All of your answers in Mardu Death Shadow are very specific and tailored for certain threats. So, the Mardu Shadow deck is very good against Hogek. It's very good against Art-like Phoenix. And from there on, your matchups start dropping off in winnability. Like, pretty Percibusy, heavily. Like it, yeah. You know, if you play against a lot of Merfolk, you're Burn. in a really tough spot. Oh, we we don't have stubborn Denial. I'm pretty confident that if I had played against Burn in this tournament, it would have been a buy for my opponent. Just, they would have been like, come on, dude, here are... Three burn spells. Yeah, here are three burn spells. Nine, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. you could play we, your creature.
2: You can't even beat three burn spells out of Phoenix. are you supposed to beat it out of the all right. burn spells? Out, right. Right? I mean,
0: yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm confident that I would have lost against Burn. So, so when the deck was really narrow, when the, the metagame was really narrow, so we were able to play this like really focused to two decks mm-hmm. deck that always beats them pretty much, um, without that element of the metagame, I think the deck... Either has to change so many of its cards, probably drops Dreadhorde Arcanist in favor of, like, more good cards. Teamer Battle Rage is something that comes to mind so that mm-hmm. you really can
1: beat these decks. You have a lot of reach. Yep. And it would also help a lot against, like, you know, once Tron comes back to the metagame. Of like... course. Yeah.
0: Or your, your deck kind of just falls off into unplayability. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm not really hopeful about the future of Mardu Death Shadow.
1: Right. Um... But if nothing else, we know that that core of Death Shadow, Ranger Captain of Eos, uh, Painland... Some unearths. Some unearths. Like, that core with some other color tailored to whatever you expect to play against likely will have a place in modern for the foreseeable future. I'm, I'm optimistic. I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if no,
0: but there are turn sequences that are much more powerful than I expected out of the deck. Mm-hmm. So, maybe... Yep. Ranger Captain does a whole other
1: thing than what we all thought that card did. Yeah. Yeah. The the way you can just chain silences is mm-hmm. insane. Humans actually showed up a little bit. I mean, obviously you had a humans deck on your team, but it also showed up a little bit in this meta game was a little bit present in the uh GP meta game. I definitely had a hard time like justifying people's choice to play humans looking at how the deck played out in a lot of matchups. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, but I, I Hobbs did have the tech of playing Yixla Jailers as well, which had a little bit of a percentage to is.
1: I believe that match-up. may have been some very last-minute tech.
2: No, that's what I heard. <laughs> yeah. That's what I
0: watched happen. So, yeah, I'll say yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, did, they, did they come in handy? Hobbs won a lot of his game ones against Hogak. Weird.
0: I also think really weird, but... You know, when I was talking about that implicit trust? Mm -hmm. Sure, dude, whatever. Do your thing. I'm glad you won. Yeah. And I don't honestly really know what was going on over there a lot of the time, but he would just look at me and be like, I want to get a hooker. And I'm like, great. Good for you. (laughs) I don't know if I heard a word he said the whole tournament. To be (laughs) completely honest with the two of you, he's a quiet person and I scream when I talk. And so our team's like volume... So so another story of the tournament is Well um, and
1: sometimes he'd be on your deaf side too. So So we when we were
0: sitting at like not the feature match area, everyone was really accommodating. I want to shout out to all my opponents because we would we would get to the table and be like, hey guys, I'm at table C and I'm actually deaf in this ear. So if we could get that side because the way that it is, it's weird because if you're on one side you're good and one side you're not. Right. Yet. It switches. Uh, so right, because you C. turn yeah. around. Yep. Everybody I explained that to was like it's very clear what has to happen here. And they got up and they switched. And so that was awesome. Community is pretty good generally. Online, it doesn't always feel like the community is good. But whenever I'm at an SCG event, yep. you can feel it. This community is willing to help you out in that situation.
1: So, um, I, my, my opponents to a, a person were completely super kind, super yep. friendly. Uh, enjoyed every single match I played this weekend.
0: That's very true also for me. And that you know we're all really lucky that that's going on. But so my teammates were never on my deaf side. Table C nice. teammates never on my deaf side. It was pretty nice. Yep. I mean, you know, except for in the finals cuz I couldn't change it for coverage. Kind of kind of you couldn't you really couldn't or yeah, you just didn't I feel think, like it. I think you could have. But, but it's whatever, you know. I get it. It's kind of last minute that I brought it up, I guess. But yeah, I always had them on my hearing side that was great. And so to tell a story from the tournament, I actually after they announced the top 8 the head judge came up, and they were like, so I know you get excited very easily. I was like, yeah. And they were like, we're on the border of excessive celebration. And Dom and John just started laughing their tails off. <laughs> because, like, wow, I'm going to be the first SCG Open Topic competitor that gets booted out of here for excessive celebration. I'm going to be the Mcringleberry of the SCG Tour? Come on. <laughs> like, So,
1: nice. yeah. That is... Very surprising. I I underst- I do, yes, you do get excited. Yeah. But I definitely haven't seen you do anything that I would ever have thought it even approaches the line of excesses. So, this wasn't even the first time this had happened that day,
0: but I was using my outside voice indoors. Okay. People that know me know that I, I just... Mostly
1: for, have an outdoor voice. So, for
0: one thing, I'm deaf in, in one of my ears, so I can't hear that well.
1: Right. That's just true. Like, right.
0: right, we have to say that if we're talking about how loud I am. And, and you know, for another thing, I'm an only child, and I've sort of always had this, like, struggle where the inside of me needs to be, like, heard and paid attention to by other people. <laughs> and, and the way that that translates um, is a lot of me being l- so loud, just, like, so in everybody's ears and loud all the time. The good news is, is that I'm 25. I've lived with myself long enough to be really accommodating of that. So... You know, another story is we we were talking about the tournament coming up at the hotel's continental breakfast. It was me, uh, Dylan Donnegan, and Chris Castropple were there. Well, you were there for sure, right? Yep. Um and uh, you know, we're eating at Hotel Continental Breakfast, and this this older woman from across the room of the Continental Breakfast, she <laughs> she like removes her headphones and she's like, in in somewhat ruder terms, it's like, could you please Keep it down! You're being very loud. It was not
1: polite. It was not polite. It was not a kind way of asking. To be fair, I'm screaming at breakfast. <laughs> yes, that's kind of true. And so, but
0: okay, and so I go. Oh yeah, I'm sorry about that, ma'am. I will, I will calm down. Cause I get it. I get it. I really do. People don't think I get it, but I do. I'm screaming. And so then you know, I, I go back to my meal. She like takes them off again. She goes, I mean, God, I could just hear you through my headphones. That's what. <laughs> that's I know what... that was. Over the line, That's obviously. what chapped my ass a little bit. Yeah, right. <laughs> that
1: part was unnecessary. Yeah.
0: I was like, thanks. You know, so, so then she goes back to eating with her headphones on. I was just like, yeah. And we kind of kept, you know, kept the tone down. Um, so then that happens. And then at the event, obviously, you know, they announced my name for Top 8. And I just made sure that everybody in the room knew how happy I was that I was in the Top 8 of I see open. Number 2 is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you have an open Top 8 in your head you're going people think that was a fluke i need number 2 to prove that i can hit that top 8 and if i you know if i have a good weekend with the stars line i'm a good enough player to make the top 8 i
1: do appreciate you telling me how to feel about this right now
0: <laughs> you've <laughs> never had you, you need another one you've <laughs> never had that feeling right <laughs> you've never had that feeling i want to i want to <laughs> sort of get into your into your thoughts about this have you have you ever felt that like oh man number 2 is is where you know that you
1: can stand there number 1 could just happen to anybody So, for me, it's complicated by a few things. Uh, Number one is I haven't been able to attend Opens as regularly as I think I should if I want to, you know, start chaining some top 8s. Makes a lot of sense. I am trying to now. And so, you know, if I spend this whole season and I go to, you know, most of the Opens and I don't get close... That might start making me feel like, I really am not feeling like I'm, you know, a little bit of a fraud or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, other thing is, I am so constantly surrounded by players that I acknowledge as stronger players than me in various ways. I think I have some skills that are very honed and very high. Um, I think there are some places that cost me a lot of percentage points and those are difficult to overcome. and I'm completely aware of those. And because I'm surrounded by a lot of players who I think have those abilities that I don't have in such, and it's very impressive to me to watch them play and do things that I just kind of feel like I might not even be capable of. Um, And I don't think that getting another top eight or getting another two top eights or winning an open, that's not going to patch up like my knowledge that I am worse in these ways Mm -hmm. than other people. So having some additional result to me I don't think is going to make me feel like that wasn't a fluke. Finding a way to feel like I've patched up these holes in my game the best that I can and then top-aiding some opens would make me feel a lot stronger about this. And it's stuff that I'm working on a lot, and it's stuff that is getting better as I play more more comp REL, like high-level tournaments, and talk with people who are good. But, you know, again, like, I'm working full-time, and I'm working on this podcast as well, and without as much time to just jam, you know, hundreds of games of Moto or Arena, it is a little bit difficult for me to work on these things. And so while I am going to try to do the best I can, and I'm going to work with everybody and try to bring the best deck I possibly can to every tournament and be as comfortable with it as I can, my focus is going to be more on understanding metagames, understanding deck development, being able to talk about card choices and things like that, and have that be my reason for being in the Magic community more than uh, just being able to play Magic really hard.
0: Excellent, dude! That was a really cool answer. <laughs> Thanks. It's... That's why this is my episode. Cause I'm gonna, I'm <laughs> gonna, I'm gonna figure out how these two feel, who they are. Nice.
1: Well, you did have some interview questions for us, right?
0: Do we? So are we done talking? Are we ready to get into those? Because those are going to be like a, a solid...
1: I want to ask you guys some questions. Dude, go for it. We are... We're almost an hour in, so I think it's about time for that.
0: Okay. So I put out on Twitter, send me some questions for the grindcasters. And just to start, I'm going to start with one of those questions from Jonathan Blank, who's been doing really well on the SCG tour, uh, partners with Paige, um, you'll often see them two together at tournaments, is why I bring that up. They said, ask them why I, presumably meaning Jeremy, can't lose in Modern. What? And so that's like a meme, but I really love kind of personally finding these like jokes that have a little bit of truth. The reason that he says that is because I really have been doing a lot, like really well in Modern. And I just wanted to ask uh, specifically you, Collins, um, if you look at my recent success in Modern, you know, with Blue-White Control, Death Shadow, and now this Mardu Death Shadow deck, I've been doing, like, crazy good in
2: Modern. And I just wanted to ask you what you would attribute that success to. You have an extraordinary knowledge base of Modern. It's a format you've played forever. And, you know, you always talk about Modern Mondays. Old school. That's, that's you know, back when you were living in Wilmington, going to Cape Fear Games, Modern Mondays was your thing. And you always played it, and you always got excited. Mm-hmm. You always went to Moe's beforehand. Ooh. It's just something you've always been, like, loving. You know? Yeah. So Modern's been a part of you for probably, you know, I'm just guessing the entirety of you playing Magic. It's
0: No, because I played Magic longer than Modern's been, but I remember the Modern announcement. Yeah. When they announced Modern. And yeah. it was a picture of Jace the Mind Sculptor, and it was announcing Modern, and me and all my friends were just like, yes, we're doing this from now on.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, you've always been pretty tuned in to what's going on in Modern. You have a pretty good idea of, you know, what all is going on. And I think that when you dedicate the time to keep up with it, like pretty proactively, like, mm-hmm. you know, jamming games regularly, knowing what uh, the metagame looks like right now, knowing what, you know, how all of those games play out, you just have all of the knowledge base that you need to be able to capitalize on that. Um, and I think that lately you've been really putting in the work to do well in those formats and, you know, we're just seeing it play out. It is true that I feel like I haven't, you know, when I thought
0: see somebody, I know so much of what's going on. Yeah. In terms of just the history of their deck. Yeah. You know, I just said, honestly, during this podcast, I played Burn for years. Yeah. I mean, Modern First Caramel was the deck I could afford, right? As, like, a teenager, Mm -hmm. I definitely bought, like, cards that are so much money now for, like... The whole deck was like $10 when it first came out. I just yeah. bought the whole thing. The fetch lines were like $5, Chris. Uh, <laughs> the deck was under $50 easily. I, I had the money to make it as like a, a crappy 16-year-old who doesn't have any money. Yeah. So I built Burn, you know, and I played that deck for just years. So when we were talking about, and you know, I played Fish for years, and I played Control for a really long time. And so like really when we were talking about those things, I was like, oh, I'm sure Burn is at this level now and it was at this before. I kind of, that, that makes a lot of sense. I hear what you're saying. I sort of had that. Um, you know, knowledge base of the modern format in so much as maybe it makes like, there's a reason that I'm doing so well with like thought season control decks now is because it really lets me use that information, right? Like I definitely know what this deck's doing mostly because I really just have played them. I think almost most of the decks in
1: modern, but did something change Because you're winning more now.
0: Yeah, well, he's right that I've been putting the work in. So a really important moment in my growth as a Magic player. Obviously, you know, the house has been great, but a really important moment was Jonathan Hobbs made two finals in a row. Mm -hmm. And I was on the couch with Collins back when Just Us lived together. And I was like, man, can you believe that Jonathan Hobbs made two finals in a row? And Collins was like, yeah, absolutely. He's been putting the work in. And I was (laughs) like, I could make two finals in a row. And he very honestly, very candidly said to me, he was like, you would have to put the work in. Meaning that, like, no, you couldn't right now. You don't get to just get two finals in a row. Yeah, you don't. You don't. You know, you don't. That doesn't just happen. Like, and and it's just a true thing about me as a Magic player is that, like, before I moved in this house, I didn't really have the facilities emotionally. I didn't really have the uh, motivation to do so. But also, I didn't have the facilities in so much as the big network that we have in this house. Yep. To to go to this level playing Magic in terms of I'm practicing a lot. I have access to whatever deck that I wanted to play. Right, Mard- Mardu. Shadow would have been a pipe dream for me, like, a few years ago, just because I, I needed to reach a wide audience to get the cards that I needed for the deck.
1: Yeah. I mean, that, that card availability thing is a big deal. It's, it's a big difficult deal. difficult, and it is not, you know, we gloss over it sometimes, just because spending a lot of time talking about, like, how difficult it is to get magic cards is not particularly productive when it's hard enough just to figure out what are the good magic cards for any given tournament. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> But yeah, like the the transition from I own Jund and I have to play Jund at every tournament because this is my modern deck. Which was me for a long time. To if I want to play this deck, I'm going to put feelers out through all of my friends who are very well connected and I can borrow these cards. It, it's, a, it's an advantage that a lot of people don't have and it, it can make a huge difference. And, you know, it's maybe not the greatest thing in the world that... Maybe some, you know, maybe a bunch of people could have figured out, like, man, this Martyr Shadow is really good, but I just cannot get the cards for it. Right, and then that influ- that influences metagames and stuff too. Yeah, um, I think that is part of the reason why Phoenix was so popular this weekend, because not only was it one of the decks that could be gotten to a place where it beats Hogak pretty reasonably, but it's also a deck that people had access to, and also like it was an existing deck that people know is mm-hmm. pretty good. Like, it's basically the only deck from old modern you know quote unquote like pre-modern horizons modern that you could just port to post-modern horizons modern and be like yeah this beats up on hogak so and i don't know how much of that is card availability or just comfort but certainly card availability is like a bigger deal than we really ascribe to it a lot of the time right the
0: the reason i wanted to talk about my recent success in this context is because people are looking to this podcast as like how can i replicate Mm -hmm. what they're doing so i wanted to hear basically from collins sort of like what's been going on with me in someone else's words so that people can look to that as something they can try to replicate yeah Yeah. so our our next question is mostly for chris chris you and i talk a lot about like other magic the gathering podcasts Mm -hmm. and i just sort of wanted to maybe not rehash those conversations but ask you sort of on your podcast do you have any like advice for other magic the gathering podcasts and so specifically have you noticed like Areas where you think other podcasts can improve and like what's some some like advice that you can give to these other podcasts? Because I, I like listening to magic podcasts. Only this one. <laughs> <laughs> when I listen to another one, sometimes I, I'm like... So, so things I want to touch on is I think this podcast is edited very well and I think podcasts should be edited. If you're going to produce content, you should make sure that it's like the bar level of you can listen to it. Mm -hmm. And then another thing is I I feel like this one has a theme, right? We're focused on the SCG tour. There are some magic podcasts that don't have a theme and they, I mean, now I'm going to let you take off because that's just so confusing to me.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it, it is really easy for you to want to start answering this question because we listen to these podcasts and some of the things that happen in them are so obviously frustrating and fixable. This is something that I've given a lot of thought to, and I am really proud of what Collins, like what we have created here. I think that we have put together a pretty good show. That we are consistently putting out something that is worth listening to. I hope, yeah. I hope that everybody listening thinks that that is true. <laughs> but yeah, like you said, the editing is a very important. Part of it just for sort of the almost physical experience of listening to the podcast. It is a significant amount of work. And quite honestly, like, you know, it's one of the reasons that I don't get quite as many reps in as might be ideal. Mm-hmm. I could play two modern leagues in the time it takes me to edit the podcast each week, but I strongly believe that it is worth doing. I don't want to have all these ums and uhs and dead spaces. Uh, I don't, you know, when we're, like, looking up a card and trying to figure out the text on something. Like, there's no reason that that needs to be in the podcast. There's no reason to subject all y'all in the audience to our nonsense that is not productive at (laughs) all. So the
2: audience doesn't know how often I need to ask you what a card's name is.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They get some of it. Some of it can't be reasonably (laughs) cut out.
2: Great. Um,
1: But, yeah, (laughs) it it is a significant effort. i probably end up cutting anywhere between, like, five to ten minutes out of each podcast, just a couple of seconds at a time of just stuff that doesn't need to be in there. And then I do a little bit of audio uh, normalization and compression and stuff to try to make it sound better. That's stuff that I'm working on learning at being better at audio engineering is not exactly my background. Um, But I also have recently, you know, invested in some gear to set up to try to, you know, we got a, a boom for the mic so that if I'm tapping on the table, that doesn't translate into just thuds in the sound. So, you know, making the sound sound good is a step one to just sort of getting people unconsciously listening to it and then when you pop up on their podcast app the next episode, then they think they they don't have like negative
2: associations with like, oh, it's kind of a chore to listen to this thing. Mm-hmm. So, I've definitely had that with some, you know I don't know if they were necessarily podcasts, but like, you know, pieces that I've listened to mm-hmm. and I just like had a bad experience and got annoyed at some small thing and I was like, oh, I'm just off it for the next one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I don't I don't want that. I, yeah. I wanna I wanna get
1: my stuff out there. For and, sure. And also One of the huge things that I have really noticed, and this relates at least a little bit to what you said about us kind of having a theme, we are focused on the SCG tour. More than that, though, we are actually focused on magic. Yeah. And I I can't believe it.
0: I can't believe when I listen to a podcast for like my drive to work 25 minutes Mm -hmm. and like when I'm about to get there, they're like, all right, I guess it's time we really sit down and talk about these cards. I get
1: infuriated. Here's why people listen to us. Collins is very good at Magic Mm -hmm. and has a lot of success on the SCG Tour. I've played a lot of Magic, and I have a pretty deep knowledge base, and I think I can analyze formats and developments and decks and stuff pretty well. I have a lot of other interests. I have a lot of things that go on in my life. These are things I talk with my friends
2: about. Yeah. Or your other podcast. Right. About. Or, right. Yeah. If I go. want to
1: talk about science fiction movies, I talk about it on my science fiction movie podcast. <laughs> sure. If I want to talk about video games, I come downstairs and I talk with Jeremy about video games. Yay. And I don't believe that... Yes, maybe... 100 people out of our 3,000-something listeners would be like, oh, cool, CCR is talking about Path of Exile now. Great. It's confusing. This is a magic podcast. There's a removal spell called Path to Exile. There's a (laughs) a tremendous video game called Path of Exile. I'll talk about the removal spell on this podcast. I will not talk about the video game on this podcast because the thing bringing the audience together is they want to hear us talking about magic. And every time that I'm listening to one of the other podcasts, and it's not just one, it's a lot of the other podcasts, And they just spend a lot of time talking about not Magic the Gathering. It just is a little bit frustrating because I know why I'm tuning in. Right. And sometimes they hit on stuff that I'm like, okay, that was kind of interesting. But sometimes they're like giving their opinion on a movie that I haven't seen. Mm -hmm. And I, that's not, that's not why I'm listening. So focus, (laughs) focus is really important. Sure. Um, And I think that's one thing that, you know, sometimes we get off track, but a lot of times it's just, you know, joking is fine. Yeah, humor is great. Great, right? We try to do that.
2: Yeah, we uh, go off on plenty of tangents. Right, but they're all relatively magic
1: related. They're, it's usually yeah. pretty magic related, and sure. that, that's one thing I, I think we do pretty well. Or at least maybe. funny, right? Or maybe anyway, I don't know. I think I'm funnier than maybe some people. <laughs> I like going. Left,
0: I like going this way, like left to right, left to right. So Collins, um, magic Twitter. I feel like there's a new piece of drama every day. It's wild. Oh, boy. You want me to answer this question? And you're a pretty balanced guy, which is why I (laughs) want you to answer. I feel like a lot of the times you don't let, like, you know, I don't feel like someone can ruin your day very easily. You know what I mean? Like, you can't, I feel like you're not somebody that's going to read all this Twitter drama and just be like, I'm so angry. You know, you can be like, wow, this person is feeling this. this You're really irrational about it. So I wanted to ask you if you could sort of Terraform Magic Twitter. What's your ideal Magic Twitter? What are people talking about on a regular basis? Because I feel like a lot of people really are tuned in for the high school stuff. And, and so, you know, and I feel like you're the kind of guy that would have an insight into like what Magic Twitter should be. So, so what is your ideal magic Twitter? Like, what would you love to see when you got your phone out?
1: Exclusively people making fun of the one person who doesn't like intentional draws badly (laughs) enough, but that's all I want. All I, I just want, and it's great because that is all my timeline is right now. It's just people making bad intentional draw jokes and it's just wonderful. It's just the best that Twitter could possibly
2: be. I don't know. The, it's tough because I think Twitter is a platform that, pretty specifically encourages the kind of drama that we've been seeing. I don't think that the kind of tw- Twitter drama that the magic community has is specifically... I don't know the word here, but <laughs> I don't think it's it's contained to just the magic scene. I mm-hmm. think that that kind of drama just is... You know, very ingrained in our culture. And it's always kind of been a little under the table and behind the scenes mm-hmm. a little bit. That, you know, high school drama stuff has just always existed. But Twitter has brought it to the limelight in ways that are unprecedented, and which is crazy. So, you know, I think that it's just kind of going to be a main of Twitter. That's just what you're getting into mm-hmm. when... You give essentially every person a soapbox to stand on. I don't think ever before we've existed in a a setting where everybody gets to have their voice heard so well as they do now. Like, you know, anybody on Twitter right now could likely make a big statement and it would filter through all of the Twitter we see. And then that is just bound to cause drama because people aren't very good at... Doing things in a non dramatic fashion.
1: (laughs) Plus, people don't get their platforms due to the fact that they're like thoughtful, well reasoned, like interesting people. Like, sometimes you get a bunch of followers because you top aided a bunch of SCG opens. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that you're particularly good at presenting yourself on the internet and you might struggle to.
2: And I think that I probably hinder myself on Twitter because I am so reserved. Mm -hmm. I don't tweet a lot. Right. When I first met Jeremy, he knew that, you know, putting myself out there on social media was a huge, like, fear of mine. And Jeremy did a lot of help for me to try to break through that a little mm-hmm. bit. And, you know, but that still exists to a certain extent for me. And I, you know, I still try to be a little more reserved and stuff. But I am sure that I am not nearly as popular on Twitter as I could be if I really, really capitalized on it all and just, like, you know, put more opinions out there.
1: We got to start making some more memes. That's, yeah. that's the key. Right.
2: So, is that is that what it is like?
0: If you could have your ideal magic Twitter, somebody, it's is it magic memes or what? Like, what do you want? You want sideboard guides? You want memes? What's the best piece of Twitter magic content that you see?
2: Um, Memes are great, and I think that 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 kind of thing is is really what Twitter can be well utilized for. Mm -hmm. Because what do people really want out of Twitter? Twitter, right. Twitter is a tool that people use to stay connected with other people. That's just what social media is. You know, you're, you're, you're. It's an attempt to stay connected and stay relevant in some way. And uh, you know, what do we do when we're hanging out as friends? So we're making jokes and we're, you know, and there there might be like a little bit of like specific like dialogue of like you know talking about strategy or whatever but you know a lot of the time it's just like you know people trying to have fun and make jokes and bond over things and stuff like that and you know i think the memes are great for that and everything great and uh you know memes coming from just like other like various talking points in the community is just bound to happen like with the intentional draw stuff right now (laughs) that's just a big part of it you know and that's the current thing that's going on on twitter where everybody's talking about Um,
1: The other thing that Twitter does really well is provide instant communication. So when somebody plays a deck in a tournament that they really liked, and they did reasonably well, you know, even if they didn't show up in the top eight or something, but they like top 16 with it, or just felt the deck was really positioned, and they won the matchups that they felt that they were supposed to win just communicating like here's my list here's what it's good against here's why i made these card choices and you can get that out there in like really quick form without having to do a whole article and then people can go okay cool let me try this list that's right here yeah um twitter's a really good medium for that sort of content as well for sure
2: and i think one of the dangers about twitter right now is that you know we all know the the rap that the youtube comment section gets it's pretty toxic and people are just spewing opinions and dogpiling on people and stuff like that and twitter can get pretty dangerously close to that a lot of the time where you know whenever there are polarized sides to an issue people want to jump on one and people really want to tear down people on twitter and i think that we need a lot less of that i think people need to be more understanding of others Just generally and specifically on the internet. Um, It's really easy to forget that there's, like, a human on the other end of the keyboard. Yeah. And uh, another thing that happens a lot is that people see, like, a mistake that somebody makes. And then they use that mistake to completely define their entire image of that person. Mm -hmm. And that is pretty easy to do on the internet and pretty toxic. And. Seeing that element play out and then snowball effect itself into, mm-hmm. like, now there are certain people, especially on the Star City Tour, that have these, like, really defined, narrow views of other people. That can be really dangerous because, you know, when you're a regular on the SDG Tour, you go and you interact with these people, like, in person. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when a majority of your interactions with other people are through the internet... That can get really polarizing and snowbally and can warp your perspectives of people. for sure but then when you find yourself in the same room as the other person, you can be like, "Oh, you know, all right, this is a legit person." Mm-hmm. And you know, you're more likely to respect that person in in, in person.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's um, so difficult for me to get to know people at all through the internet. you know, like, yeah, like Dom was crushing the tour. I just didn't know anything about him. And then I met him at like two tournaments. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, Dom's one of my favorite people. (laughs) Dom's great. Yeah,
2: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So if I'm going to give any advice to like the people right now is um, if you, if there's one person that you have interacted with a little bit and you currently believe that you have a extraordinarily negative perception of that person, I challenge you to reach out to that person and try to start a dialogue with them with the objective of learning about their perspective. Not with the objective, and this is going to be really key, <laughs> not with the objective of trying to change their mind or tell them that you think that what they did is wrong. Because mm-hmm. that's those are really easy things to kind of jump into, and conversations can turn into that really easily, and you got to be careful about that. Yep. But if you, and especially if you expect at any point to interact with this person, like at a tournament or whatever, and that's just inevitable. and Because, you know, our community is... Pretty close knit and pretty small. And that's one Um, of the good things about our magic Twitter
1: as opposed to like YouTube comments. Yeah. Is there's not, there's a very low level of anonymity. Most of the posts, most of the tweets that you see are attached to like a human person's name. Yeah. And there's accountability there. And, you know, don't be terrible on magic Twitter because it will definitely come back to you. For sure.
2: Right. Uh, And definitely don't use, like, one mistake that somebody makes as Mm a, you know, holistically defining characteristic of that person in your mind. People are always going to be more dimensional than... than
0: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, I have a... The next one's fun, and it's going to be short, and I'm going to go to Chris, and then I'm going to go to Collins. Great. How do you explain Magic the Gathering and your relationship to it with, in our case specifically... Uh, ladies that we're interested in starting a dialogue with. I'm talking about, like, maybe tender girls or just, like, girls that we're trying to talk to. And, you know, members of the opposite sex. You are you have to explain magic. It's finally hit the point where they want to know what's going on this
1: weekend, right? Why are you going to Pittsburgh, right? How do you summarize it? What's your quick, like, here's what magic is? So if by finally hit the point, you mean, like, first conversation. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's gotten that, yeah. really that bad. It. I mean, it's so incorporated into my life That I'm very upfront about it. And, I mean, I'm not ashamed that I play Magic. I love Magic. Me too. And it is the main thing that I do, and it is where my friends are. Um, And so, it's usually a part of, like, a really early conversation when I meet somebody. And I usually explain what it is. I usually say something tongue-in-cheek, like, you know, kind of take this way too seriously. But then, when I say stuff like, you know, most of my good friends I've met through Magic and we travel to tournaments together and i do a podcast with one of my best friends and you know we started living in a house together just because we like hanging out and playing magic like usually people are extremely understanding of that and actually pretty into the concept and if they're not i'm not really interested in being in a relationship with that person yep yep um so yeah that's that's pretty much how it breaks down really upfront about it and just unembarrassed and even if you are not like basing your like Kind of life around Magic the Gathering, but it's important to you and you play a lot. You know you don't have to be making podcasts about it or traveling to every tournament or anything to be to somebody who is potentially important to you to so just be like, yeah, Magic is really important to me and I really like doing it. Like be upfront, yeah. it's fine. What's your the blur? cool people will understand
2: uh, very much. A lot of the same points. Magic is a pretty defining characteristic of my life. I think I identify now as a professional Magic the Gathering player <laughs> pretty clearly, you know. So when I'm when I'm talking to girls, I often bring it up and, you know, I'm excited to talk about it. And I think that, you know, generally girls like it when you are, you know, interested in something and are excited about talking about something. And this yeah. is what I'm interested in and excited to talk about. People so, in general respond well to passion. Yeah. And, you know, and this is... You know, this is my passion, and and I'm you know I'm gonna talk about that. And if that person is like off put in by it in some way, it's just not gonna work out. Yeah. So whatever. <laughs> yeah.
1: Agree. Hard agree. I
2: I usually say it's like poker,
0: but way cooler because there are dragons in it.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Any other questions? Is that is yeah. how I say it. But the more you play and the better you get at it, the less you get to experience those dragons. Yeah, it's the, really. The good news is right. Yeah. They phase out. In favor of avatars. <laughs> right. A lot of avatars in this particular top yeah. eight. Yeah. All right. This next one is going to be real fast. It's going to be a yes or no answer and then like two sentences. And it's for Chris because he agreed that he would answer it. and okay. it's, a, it's an awesome, tough question. Okay. Okay. So if there were a spray that you could spray into your mouth and it makes you believe in God, would you spray it in your mouth? Yes or no? And why?
1: Quite honestly, I would. Like 100% I would. This is... Uh, actually kind of an important thing to me i was you know obviously raised religious because every fucking kid in america was raised religious <laughs> and believing in god was a big deal to me and i honestly remember like the moment when i realized like i don't think i believe in this anymore and since then like that transition like there was a point in my life where i was like honestly man i can't wait until i die and get to just like go to heaven like yeah. that's gonna be sick And I don't, obviously, I don't believe that anymore. And that has left me with this, like, hole inside me where I am absolutely and fundamentally terrified of the concept of death. Wow. And if I could just get rid of that and be, like, totally confident that, all right, I'm, like, things are going to be even better when I'm done here. Yeah. I'm in for lying to myself about that.
0: Excellent. Would you spray it in the mouth of your opponent so that comp element just like, tss, and they're like, oh, and it changes everything? No. That's, I'm, I'm not trying yeah, to get some worldview. That's unethical. <laughs> um, Collins, do you want to answer that question? You don't have to because you didn't agree to it and it's a pretty like crazy off the wall question. What do you think?
2: I think that my like spiritual relationship with whatever it is that we don't know about has evolved a lot over the past couple of years. Um, you know, I also grew up religiously, was made to go to church every Sunday and all of that stuff. But I had my sister to go there with me every week, and we would just kind of talk about it all. And we kind of independently on our own just decided that all this stuff didn't really make any sense, you know? And 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 that was a hard conversation to have with our mom, specifically. Not really because we thought—and might go a little too deep on all this but but anyways yeah i won't go that deep into it but i don't yeah i don't i don't think that i would spray anything in my mouth that would (laughs) make me not be in control of my opinions of things yeah i mean that's That's probably the
1: honest answer right is like you don't want to change the person who you've like developed into in such a meaningful way without it being like something that naturally happened no
0: you spray it in your mouth and you got i wouldn't but I think I would keep that spray in my room, in my yeah. nightstand. Just lurking. Oh, yeah. Always, you have that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You yeah. have the out. No, I can, I can just spray that in my mouth and believe in God. It really just has been that day. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, my answer is no, but I would keep it around. Fair.
1: Yeah. I, I would also want to make sure that I'd be like... A cool, like, I wouldn't be trying to voice my beliefs on others or care particularly what their beliefs were. Like, I wouldn't want it to affect me in that way at all.
0: You don't know what this mouse story is going to do, Chris. It's going to make you believe in God. That's a different person. Yeah. You being cool when you believe in God means something different, right? Because then you really are trying to voice it because, oh, my God, you guys don't understand I have to get into heaven. Yeah,
1: and I mean, ultimately, that probably doesn't work for me. I really just want a spray that makes me, like, not, like, stay awake at night thinking about death. Oh, that spray costs a little more, so we didn't get it. Okay, well, <laughs> next, maybe, maybe when we get some more patrons. Yeah, get some more
0: patrons, we can afford that spray. Great. Right um, now, we just have the really messed up one that makes you even in Okay. I have other questions that I'm sure you've been reading that you're pretty scared of, but we've been going a long time, and we might just save
1: it for the next time I win an open. Look at this one. You don't want to answer this right now. What killed Hollywood? Yeah. Okay, did we or did we not spend an entire section of this podcast talking about staying focused on Magic? And <laughs> so, <gathering? laughs> Magic talk should be at the beginning of the Magic
2: podcast. But now this is my podcast. I
0: want it open, and
2: we're yeah. derailing it a it's, little bit. But new, new podcast, new recording. We can stop recording, start a new one. Yeah, Jeremy's podcast. Jeremy, ask podcast. Chris and Colin's questions.
0: Yeah, well, I don't know. I want the, people listen to this all the time, and you guys have only talked about Magic. You've been doing such a good job of that. And we've already covered everything in the dead modern metagame and the unknown M20 standard we're not talking about right now because it's so fresh that, like, Literally what, what are we going to say? I haven't played I like a game the, of it yet. I like the yeah. dinosaur that pings other dinosaurs because your Rip Raptor draws a card. I'm a genius, right? Like, who cares
1: Like that, that I think that right now when tomorrow I'll, like, actually have an opinion? Right. That's, that is actually exactly why we didn't talk about that stuff today. We do not know yet. And next episode is going to be our M20 set review in. This one, just because of the like way that M20 came out and stuff, will have the benefit of us having played a number of games of M20 Standard, right. or at least birded a number of games of M20 Standard. That'll be new for our set reviews. Yeah. 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 So that should be good. Going to be working on... I will not be able to go because I am on vacation with my family, but everybody else is going to be working towards SCG Worcester, which is week one standard. And yeah, we will get kicked off with that. Yeah. It'll be
2: great.
0: So, you know, because of those factors, I did kind of want to take some time to, to ask you guys about questions that the viewers are never really going to hear outside of the context of I'm going rogue and taking an episode. Sure, And that's just true, right? Like, like Colin's insights on Twitter were really good, in my opinion, right? And But they're never going to hear that because you guys have to always talk about magic. And then your insights on podcasts.
1: <laughs> this is added in later in editing. Your insights on podcasts. <laughs> We're obscenely good, and so I'm just making it sound like we edited it so it was complimenting you. Oh man, that's this is actually all stuff that I put together word by word out of other words you said on the podcast. So. I like that bit, but yeah, that
0: but the portion of me asking you guys questions, I'm I'm done with now, and I had a lot of fun, and I want to you know thank you guys so much for letting me on your podcast. Uh, I know we joked that I was like taking an episode and stealing it, but you know you, both, you guys both let me do that, let me have my time. Like, like I said earlier. I mean, earlier. That's, that's
1: what you think. So, like, we can keep you. We can allow you to continue <laughs> right. thinking that. Yeah,
0: no, you guys have been great. And <laughs> so, you know, I just want to say thank you. And, um, you know, if there's any other bookkeeping, I'm happy to be here. But, yeah, that was me taking your podcast. And now I'm kind of letting you guys you know,
1: do whatever you want with your podcast. That was a lot of fun. What's next? It was a lot of fun. No, the only bookkeeping that we've got is congratulations again. I'm so excited to see you guys win.
2: Also, congratulations to Dom and Hobbs. Yeah.
1: yep, yeah. All sure. three deserving champions.
0: Ooh, I want to mention, this was the first Open of the season, mm-hmm. and I won. And Dom and John also won, mm-hmm. but they didn't go to any IQs. And I went to an IQ where I top-aided, earning me one Star City Games point. And <laughs> so the you're... implication of this... I'm sure you guys it's are maybe realizing maybe
1: at the top of the seasonal leaderboard. Is
0: it for a week? For a glorious, blessed week? I get to join the ranks of Squ- Smitty Werberman Jensen and and you know the Water Boy because I will be number one. That's crazy to me. I, I like, and you know, I get that it's like a pretty meaningless stat that only kind of happened because of this blip
1: in time. Yeah, but you get to take a screenshot of that leaderboard. And you I get, get to, to be number forever. one.
2: Yeah, I'm number one. And don't think of it as a blip in time, because you could top eight the next tournament. Yeah, sure. I'm down. Yeah. No problem you, with that. But what do you got to do in order to do that?
0: Not study... You gotta put in the work! No! You gotta put in the work! <laughs> I have to think during my matches <laughs> to lock Max McVie out cycling this Ranger of yep. so that his card that I assume is in his hand isn't gonna kill me.
1: Yep, that's true.
0: Yep. That's what you gotta do. So thanks so much for the congratulations. Yeah, I wanted to bring up that, like, funnily enough, I'm gonna be number one. Also, funnily enough, I worked really hard to get into the top 32. I started pretty late in the season last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, top 32 awarded one buy, which I didn't get at this tournament because...
1: It's a team event. Because it's
0: a team event. Um, so I didn't get to use that buy. And now I'm going to be in the top
1: 16, so I'm going to have two buys just for current season. So all your work is just completely wiped out. It very much didn't matter. Yep. But it does, even if you manage to completely fall off the train, you still have one buy for the rest of the season. You're right. So, like, it's not completely meaningless, but hopefully it's pretty meaningless. Interesting. <laughs> hey. Honestly, I, though. Hot, hot. <laughs> I love it when hopefully it's pretty meaningless so yeah Jeremy thanks for coming and hanging out this was super fun I had a lot of fun I'm so happy for you thanks to everybody so much for listening you know I, I'm so happy that we have a third trophy now on our mantle pretty yep. cool very important um, thanks to everybody so much for listening really appreciate everybody who tuned in to the live stream of this super cool um, really appreciate everybody who is just listening from home the two people who won the modern horizons boxes i'll make sure to get those dms out to you uh send me your address and we will ship those boxes out patrons we've got stuff coming uh i'm about to get proofs of at least the enamel pins that will go out to everybody so you'll get something and then we are working towards all the shirts and hats and playmats and stuff um, if you'd like to get in on that, head over to patreon.com/MtGGrindcast or to our website mtggrindcast.com. We've got links to our Patreon, to our episodes. I'll be updating it with, you know, just like our our streaming schedule and that sort of thing. Um, you can also find links to Collins's coaching services. Find us on Twitter. Uh, I am tweeting from at ccr underscore grindcast. The podcast Twitter itself is at mtg underscore grindcast. Collins is also on Twitter. At Collins and Jeremy, where can we find you? It's a clean Twitter handle. It's at Mox Jeremy. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. Couldn't be better. Um, yeah. Again, thanks to everybody so much for listening, and
2: have a great week. Peace. See ya.